Welcome back to the Four Gardens podcast. I'm Jake Ifshin. The Four Gardens are an approach I'm developing to cultivate a life of balance, joy, and abundance by focusing on four areas of life. On this show, I talk to people inspiring me in those areas of health, nature, creativity, and service. To learn more, go to fourgardenspodcast.com and make sure to like and subscribe to hear new episodes and support this project. Breathwork and meditation have been powerful daily practices for me. They've changed the way I feel by helping me become aware of my own mind and emotions and empower me to shift them through a short, intentional practice. I'm grateful to have my dear friend, Mallory Kompamal, who's also the co-founder of Inheritance Project and creator of Breath Connection, on the show today to explore breath, breathwork, create a practice, and also later to share about Inheritance Project. Let's jump right in. Mallory, thanks so much for coming on. Jake, thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm grateful the time has come. Today is the day that we're going to start talking Kriya practice and breathwork and meditation. Amazing. Let's get into it. Let's do it. And just to give a little backstory, I've known Mallory through through dance. Um, the episode before this with Omar Aina is uh, he was hosting a retreat where we met in Guatemala. So I've known Mallory for about three years now. And we have in those three years, I feel like my life has really been changed a lot by like, I always, I'm someone who always wanted to have a regular and had this intention to have a regular meditation practice. And it really wasn't until working with Mallory that I was able to find that discipline, accountability, framework, and structure to really embrace meditation as a daily a daily ritual and a daily practice. So I'm, I just want to like start out by thanking you for bringing that gift of daily meditation into my life. Oh, well, thank you so much for saying that. And thank you for being so committed to your practice. And I think what you shared about for a long time wanting to make meditation more regular part of your life is how a lot of people feel. I talk to so many people who say things like that to me, like, yeah, I've meditated a couple of times. Every time I do, it feels so good. And I wish I could do it more, but then life gets busy, blah, blah, blah. And it's so hard to make time for that 10 minutes. And so this is a really, really common pattern. And I myself was in that pattern when I was a yoga teacher and a Reiki practitioner, um, but much more sporadic in my practice. In my early 20s, while I was also working a corporate job in New York City, and it was really when I made the commitment to myself to be disciplined and practice every day that my life started to shift in really big ways. And it's because of that that has become the biggest part of my teaching philosophy is how do I empower people with the tools that they need to practice every day rather than needing to show up to a class that I guide or I lead every day. I realize that's not a sustainable way to really scale the impact I can make um, on people or with people, but really by giving people tools that you can then use in your own life. So 
Um, thanks for opening with that because that's really the core part of the way that I like to approach sharing this work. But just to define when we say the word breathwork and Kriya, what is that? Great question. Thank you for <laughs> asking and backing up into this. So breathwork is working with your breath. Um, and right now, I feel like breathwork is a, undergoing an explosion of popularity in the U.S. And I think there are some common misconceptions about breathwork, too. I, there are certain schools of breathwork that share one particular type of breath technique. So two that some people might have heard of are Wim Hof breathing, which I'm a huge fan of, and also holotropic breathing are two commonly ta taught and talked about breathwork techniques. But uh, And so sometimes when people refer to breathwork, um, they think it's only one of those type of techniques, but actually breathwork can be any technique that works with your breath or modifies your breath in some way to create a physiological or energetic effect on the body. And second misconception is that working with your breath is often there to calm you down or relieve stress. And that's the only benefit. So, and we even have sayings like this in our common popular culture. Oh, you're angry? Take five deep breaths. <laughs> like this is something that even people not in wellness, spiritual, or self-development circles have probably heard at some point in their life. We have an intuitive understanding that changing the way we breathe changes the way that we feel. Um, if you've ever been around or experienced a panic attack, um, we're told to breathe into a paper bag to slow down our breath. So there are all these ways that breath, breath um, is really part of our popular culture. Even if we're frustrated or exasperated, a normal thing for a lot of people to do is to sigh and like let go of tension through their body, through our breath. So we all know intuitively that the way we breathe affects the way that we feel. But breath work is the conscious practice of, of breathing in different ways to change the way that we feel. That's how I would define it. You also asked about Kriya, which is a great word. It is, in Sanskrit, it means an action that leads to one's evolution. And Kriya Yoga is a tradition of yoga that is designed to, or a path of yoga designed to liberate you from suffering from patterns that hold you back. And kriyas are also really specific techniques that usually involve breath and sometimes involve mantra or sound or movement, other ways of working with energy in your body. They're very specific techniques done in a certain way to create a certain physio physiological effect on the body. So a lot of the breathwork techniques that I practice myself come from the kriya yoga tradition. Yeah, and so I think that really helps give some context to the work I've been doing with Mallory too for people who are new to this of saying that breath is already a strategy as organisms, as living organisms that we use. Animals, breath changes to regulate their temperature, to regulate emotion and, and, and energy of, of their what they're doing. And I think that to have this ability to go into the breath and 
So I'll come with a, like for use myself as an example, I'll come with an intention of what I want to work on with my breath. And this is something that Mallory, like a richness to breath Mallory's brought to me. of saying that I want more, I want to eliminate distraction more in my life. I want to feel more energy or I want to feel more joy. Even like these abstract concepts, Mallory, you have this way of using the breath as a way to generate that quality of experience that I'm desiring. And like that's something I'm really, I think feels very profound to me that my breath can go that deep for me. One level is it's not just when I'm tired, I yawn, or when I'm stressed, I take a deep breath. Like that's the first awareness. And there's, this is like way beyond I thought of what I thought was possible with breath. So it's been an amazing realization as I go through this practice. Thanks for sharing that. Isn't it amazing what you can do with your breath? <laughs> I get so excited about this because... Also, when I started learning about this, my mind was blown, and I was really fortunate to take a course at the Nalanda Institute in New York City a couple years ago, which is this amazing program that combines traditional contemplative practices with modern science and learning the science of how does meditation and breath work on your brain, on your nervous system. And when I started that program and I started learning all this information, I was in awe and I couldn't believe that no one had taught me this about my own body before that we are sitting here breathing all day every day. That is the, literally the one thing that all humans who are alive have in common. We are all breathing in some way. Um, and it's at least when I was in school and growing up, never addressed, never I was never taught anything about the breath or how it affects the body or really even anything about my emotions or how to uh, regulate my mood or my inner state at all. The inner state was just never really addressed. And so when I started learning the science of it, after having practiced a lot of these techniques for quite a while and realizing, oh, wow, there's actually, these are the scientific mechanisms by which this works in the body, I just became really obsessed with that these ideas and what my mission is for every human to understand the power of their breath and how being conscious in the way that we use our breath as a tool can change our whole experience of life. And you're so right that this is why I always say breathing is not just about calming yourself down, which I think is often the main thing that people associate with it. Like, oh, if I'm stressed, take a deep breath, let me calm down. Actually, you can use your breath to generate a lot of energy if you start because you start taking in more oxygen and send more oxygen to your brain and your muscles. There are so many physiological things that can happen in your body in many different ways. And every single emotion has an associated breath pattern. So this can happen on a much more subtle and complex level than just being stressed versus being calm. Every single emotion, anger, sadness, grief, all of these emotions have different breath patterns. And the changes are sometimes so subtle that we might not even notice that we're breathing differently when we feel a certain emotional state. And it can go both ways. So we feel a certain emotion and then we our breath pattern changes based on that emotion. But also we can change our breath pattern and then induce that emotion into our body physiologically by creating certain changes in our hormones, in our nervous system. And so this is why I would say your breath is like the remote control for your nervous system or your inner experience, because 
by consciously changing your breath, you can create all kinds of other effects in your body and totally shift the way that you feel. And it go, can go so much beyond just feeling a bit more calm. You can really start to harness this in a much more deep and subtle way, just like you said. And this is technology that's thousands, techniques and strategies that are thousands of years old that yogis have been developing, right? You're, you're part of a tradition that stretches way back of exploring this and developing this. Yeah, what's so amazing to me is that yogis for thousands of years have basically discovered what only now modern science is starting to confirm with the type of tools and instruments that we have now. And just from the scientific method in its own way, experimenting this with different techniques and seeing the effect that it had on the body, these practices were refined over a long time and passed down from student to teacher, teacher to student, Again and again, each person channeling more, refining more until the right, until right now. And so we, when we start to practice these techniques, we're also connected to an amazing community of practitioners, not just from our own lifetime, but from lifetimes before us that have also been on this journey of how do I master my own state how do I become the master of my own experience and realize my potential and to me it was really really empowering to feel myself connected to so many other souls who are going on this who have been on this journey and continue to move through it yeah I love imagining the the, the hundreds and thousands of years of people breathing you know, starting in India and the Himalayas is where this is its origin is of the, of the practices you've been sharing with me. I've learned from you. And just thinking about all the generations of tweaking this and living this, this reality, because it is this one of the, maybe the most essential function of our bodies is respirating. You know, and it's been in so many cultures, breath is connected to soul or spirit, the word for breath. Mm -hmm. in English and Hebrew and many other languages, I know there's that same link. So it's like this essentially human project of all humans having researched throughout their lives, what, how breath works to them. And it's just amazing the way, the richness that this practice, and you talked about thousands of practices have emerged, which I wasn't even aware of. There were so many variations of breath. There's so many and so many different combinations of different breath with different movement, with different sounds, and the permutations are almost infinite. And it's true what you said, I love the fact about the etymology of the words breath and spirit being so interconnected and that in, I think, almost every spiritual or religious tradition, there is some way of regulating breath as a part of it. So if you look at, you know, Chinese Qigong, for example, you use breath and movement practices and, you know, a, a lot, even even singing hymns together or singing spiritual songs together what you when you chant or sing you are changing your breath pattern and that singing has a very calming effect on the nervous system usually because you are elongating your breath you're making your breath slower which is calming and so the other thing that this made me think of is that breath is not only a great practice to do on your own to regulate and shift your own inner state, but breath is also a fundamental way that we attune to others and, and form community. 
So you may notice that when you are really synced up with someone you love, maybe your romantic partner or a friend, your breath starts to synchronize with them. Your breath starts to come into harmony. Um, This is why people have such powerful experiences singing in groups and feeling that feeling of connection comes from a lot of the time, the feeling of our of our breathing being synced up. And when our breath syncs up, it also creates all kinds of other physiological shifts in our body. Your breath is directly connected to your heart rate. So once your breath syncs up with somebody, your heartbeat will start to sync up with them. And this is a feeling of, of attunement. And I'm really, really interested in this because right now we live in a society that feels very fractured and polarized and isolated. And I think a lot of people are missing or have very few experiences of attunement and of feeling moving in harmony with a collective, with a group, or even just with one other person. And that actually is so essential to human group harmony and cohesion and to building culture together. Yeah, I was really struck by that, the singing part of this, because I'm mean, singing is part of that culture building, that we'd all come together in one big building and sing a song together, even if we don't know the, what the words mean, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's Hebrew or Latin or yeah, any other language, that there, we'd be singing these songs together. It's almost it's not about the words, but about that collective act of breathing, mm-hmm. being a unifying like, of our consciousness, of our awareness. Mm-hmm. That, that would be such a community building, fundamental it's like it's not it's no shock that that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Every human culture, every culture mm-hmm. comes together and breathes and sings. So I didn't think about it as a way of singing as a way to breathe. You know, I was thinking of it as breathing as a way to sing. Mm-hmm. And now now I'm seeing it the other way, uh, which is really interesting. And I think because there is so much diversity of breathwork out there, and there's so many possibilities, that I think it's another reason of why work with a teacher, like why pick one lineage or pick one, one um, pathway to explore at a time. Like I found, I dabbled in Wim Hof, I dabbled in holotropic, I'm still interested in all those ways of breathing, but I feel like the daily practice with a teacher connects it more to spiritual practice, makes it like a much richer, deeper practice for me than if I'm just dabbling between different ways of breathing, different songs, different... Yeah, there's something much more meaningful around that for me, in my experience. Mm, I really believe this comes down to integration, that if you do something one-off, you might have a great experience, but that's not going, that may not lead to sustained change. And integration is really, to me, integration of a practice is that practice becoming part of your being. If you commit to practicing something for 21 to 40 days, that by the end of that 40 days, that practice, you're so familiar with it. You know it like a good friend, maybe better than some of your good friends. You know exactly how you might feel after doing it, depending on the whole range of, of emotions and physiological states you might be in when you start the practice. You know yeah, intimately how it affects your body and you become so the technique becomes integrated into you so you can eat more easily drop into a flow state when you do it. It's just like learning a musical instrument. We get into habitual patterns of breath and that's our norm. And so it's just like having a habitual pattern of, of movement. And if we're learning a new dance move, 
it takes us a while of practicing the same move before we really can do it naturally and easily and like without thinking about it. And it's the same thing with breath techniques. And so that's why I am also a big proponent of picking something and sticking with it and really understanding how it affects your, your body or state and learning how to, how to use it. The other thing that I'll say is that not all breath techniques are appropriate for all people, especially for people who may be experiencing extreme PTSD or other more intense, challenging mental health issues. I would say be really careful about the type of breath practices you use because um, it's possible that some types of techniques may actually exacerbate those conditions or put your nervous system into a panic state. So that's why I do really think that even though there are lots of great free apps and resources out there, especially if you're starting off um, looking for support for, for a mental health issue like that, for which breath work can be amazing and can be very healing and transformative, I would say work with a teacher, work with a real professional who can really give you the care and support that you need um, because not every technique is right for everyone. And also, let's talk a little bit more. You, you've curated a community around breath work, around breathing, that's um, with Breath Connection. And I was thinking we've already talked about other religious groups and social groups making breathing part of the artistic groups, making breathing part of like the importance of doing it with other people and the value of sharing breath with others is something you, you know, we talked a lot about your one-on-one work with me and others, but you also have this dimension of your work, which I know you're now refocusing on of getting groups together online and eventually in person to start breathing together again. So if you could share a little more about that, the value of that, adding that into to everything else of the value of the one-on-one teaching too. Yeah, well, this has been a little bit on pause since the pandemic happened. But before the pandemic, the actually the genesis of Breath Connection was a gathering that I used to have once a month in my apartment in Brooklyn. And that was also really born out of my frustration and disillusionment with the New York City yoga scene and seeing that the way a lot of studios teach treat yoga teachers in terms of how poorly they're paid and honestly a lot of drama at yoga studios that I was a part of and I realized that I that to me practicing with others is something that I really wanted to to feel holistic and part of a community and not transactional um, every time I, I used to teach yoga classes at, at studios around New York and it always felt so transactional and transient to me. I never knew the names of my students. People would just come in and go out and then you'd have to clean up the studio really quickly before the next class came in. And I was like, sometimes people have really deep experiences in classes and like there's no time to process or integrate what we just experienced together. And when I came back from studying at Sattva Yoga in India and learning a lot more deeper, more intense Kriya practices where you really use the breath to release stored trauma from the body. And a lot of those experiences from those practices can be so transformative, but also really intense. I knew that I didn't want to just 
have a class that felt anonymous and have people come in and then leave right away and not have support and connection to integrate what we just experienced together. So I started having these gatherings in my home where we would do one hour of breath work, Kriya-based breath work, and then have intentional conversation on a topic related to the practice and every every single person had a chance to share their about their experience and then we would eat a nourishing vegetarian meal together and this was um yeah it was so fun and wonderful hosting those gatherings and really getting to share these practices outside the format of traditional capitalistic business structures and being able to really create um, community, which I think created a lot more accountability and connections for people. And like to this day, it makes me so proud that I know that relationships started at Breath Connection, best friendships started at Breath Connection, that it really was a place where people could breathe and connect together, which was the idea behind the name. (laughs) Um, And that you're connecting not just with your own breath, but with each other. I think that was, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I made it to a gathering in New York City for, for one breath connection well, in person. Well, Jake co-hosted a breath yeah, connection I, with me. I one should give of myself the some credit. Ones. <laughs> we did lead a glorious breath connection where we sang songs and shared cacao. And yeah, it was. I really felt the warmth though of that gathering of, I met a lot of really amazing people there that I, some I'm still friends with now. So I felt the connection energy. And I think, too, I felt the difference, honestly, of sitting in circle with 15 people and breathing together. Like the collective energy generated is different than my solo practice. Mm-hmm. And they can strengthen my solo practice when, we, when I have that like, community around breathing. I mean, you talked about account- it builds extra accountability and motivation. And I felt that of it being, you know, the power we already talked about of breathing together in congregation versus as a solo practitioner. Totally. Some of the breath practices are challenging and can really push you outside of your comfort zone, which is the whole point. It's how we grow. It's how we build more resilience and strength in our nervous systems. And it can be a lot easier, I mean, to stick with something that's challenging if we know we have other people doing it by our sides. You know, this is why people run marathons with their friends or whatever. You get motivation from the people behind you who are in the same experience. And being at Safa Yoga in India was so powerful for me because there would be over 100 people in the yoga center. We'd be doing really intense practices and the collective energy of everyone and that commitment and devotion to being present and just staying with it through all the stuff that came up was so powerful. And it really pushed me to go deeper and transform a lot of things that, yes, I don't think I could have done if it was just me alone. I think that that spiritual community piece is, is really motivating, important to have that piece to keep going and to keep, like, keep focused on. And like this kind of shared culture of support, I think can be really important. Meeting around that, meeting, like meeting around something so fundamental too. And but you did keep this going too, I want to mention, even though I was thinking a lot about in-person and those events, there was digital breath connection during the pandemic too. And breathing on Zoom also can be effective. And I'll share that 
I was just getting into my, really getting into my careers and breath work with you then. And um, you mentioned it being challenging and it really is. I mean, to get to, get to my mat for 23 minutes at a time and just breathe intensively and, and stay with it. Like I, I did appreciate that I could come on and breathe online with the group as I was just learning um, my first kind of breathwork routine. So it's, it was all really good for me. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I the first couple months of the pandemic, I think April through June last year, I was hosting almost weekly on Sundays breath connection gatherings. And I was actually surprised by how palpably you could still feel the energy and connection of the group even when everyone was on mute <laughs> um, doing their own thing and it seemed really important to share these techniques when we were at a collective time of well one there being a pandemic of respiratory illness <laughs> of a disease that attacks our lungs and nervous system so one, I was like, okay, everyone needs to strengthen our respiratory system um, in general to make our species more resilient to COVID. Then two, at the beginning of lockdown last year, everyone was in such a state of anxiety and panic for the most part. And I felt so grateful to have these tools that even when that happened and I was living alone by myself in an apartment in New York City, right in the middle of <laughs> probably the most intense manifestation of the pandemic in the U.S. at least, I was able to keep my nervous system calm and I was like, actually see how valuable this is to people. And this is, this was really the catalyst for me to start working with people one-on-one -on -one and take this practice beyond just having gathering with my friends and my immediate community and sharing in that way and realizing, oh, People need this. People need these tools. And I have a responsibility to share this with more people. And, you know, I had always resisted internet stuff in general. Being, I didn't have any social media accounts before the pandemic. Um, I had even deactivated my Facebook. And it was really during that time where I was like, oh, wait, no, I have something important that I need to share. And I need to get the word out there and um, support more people with these tools because we're going through this collective intense challenge and we need all the tools and the knowledge and the wisdom and the collaboration that we can get to collectively move through it. Yeah, it was a real service to the community to do that then. Um, that was the time when my meditation practice really clicked and breath work was having that extra, all that extra time and all that change to be able to go through the big changes happening and Many in my own work life, in my own social life that happened in that period, that to have that ability to clear the energy with the breath work and regulate my nervous system, as well as the meditation practice to observe what, um, what was happening inside me, like how I was showing up for each of these strange pandemic quarantine days that were, that were coming through is, was the medicine I definitely needed that kept me, kept me centered during the pandemic and resilient. So I can't really uh, underestimate or under underemphasize like the value of that for me. And and I just started right a couple of months before the pandemic with my own uh, breath connection, my own customized program with you. So the timing was great. And I've been thinking too about um, where I place breath work and meditation in the four gardens mm -hmm. system too, which I like love to get some input mm -hmm. from you on because I've been seeing, so we have health, nature, creativity, and service. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm often labeling it in nature because I see nature as spirit mm. too. And so we talked about spirit and breath as being connected. But I'm also finding that it's popping up. It's one of these really powerful multi-garden practices mm-hmm. along with dancing, cooking, can find themselves in all the gardens. Um, and so, yeah, I'd love to hear you kind of break it down on how breath can can interact with some of these different gardens in like maybe ways we wouldn't expect to. I actually think that breath is connected to all four of the gardens. And I want to talk specifically about creativity, which might be what I think health might be pretty obvious for people how that's connected. Creativity, though, I studied this a lot because my old career was as a creativity and innovation facilitator um, at a big consulting firm. So I used to go facilitate play-based creative thinking workshops for executives and had to learn a lot about the science of creativity and what exercises could open up creativity. And I learned that breath and meditation is actually fundamental practice for accessing your creativity. The reason for that is because when our nervous system is in a state of stress, sometimes called the sympathetic response or the fight or flight response, What happens is that the part of our brain that's responsible for empathy, higher order thinking, and creativity, it's called the prefrontal cortex. It's the big front part of your brain and your forehead. (laughs) That's really what, what makes humans different from a lot of other animals or mammals out there is that we have this big prefrontal cortex that helps us collaborate with others and be creative and think logically and not just be governed by instinct. So when we're stressed, or in other words, feel under threat, our fight or flight response kicks in and that part of our brain shuts down and we channel all of our brain energy to survival. When we're in that survival state, we see everything in our surrounding as a threat. And so um, it's really hard for us then in that mind state to be open to possibility, (laughs) to be... um, thinking creatively. Maybe you've had this own experience in your own life. When you're really, really stressed, are you thinking clearly? (laughs) Are you um, able to empathize with people around you? And empathy is a huge source of creativity, like understanding someone else's experience and creating for them, with them in that way. And a necessity for service too, I would say. Yes. Yes. That's a really good way of connecting it to service too, that um, we can't be in empathy or you find it very hard to be in connection with others when um, we are in fight or flight survival state. And so learning breath techniques that can help you bring your body back into parasympathetic or rest and digest or basically more calm can really support creativity and service and, um, yeah, there's a lot of times where we're called to serve in situations that are really challenging. Another big part of breath work and meditation is building your own inner resilience. So I know, for example, that just for myself, when I was younger, I used to have a lot of anxiety to the point where it was recommended by a therapist that I go on medication, which I didn't end up choosing to do. Um, but it was really breath and meditation and yoga practices that really shifted that for me. And I look back at 
the state I was in then all the time, like constantly on edge, basically. And now I can go into situations that are really challenging, like, or, or stressful in some ways, like pitching a really big project or something like that. And now I have the tools to keep my nervous system in a, in a certain state that makes it a lot easier for me to connect with others, to have creative ideas in the moment. And so, yeah, I, I, in addition to nature and health, I think breathwork and meditation are so connected to service and creativity because it also affects the way that we show up and interact with people um, and collaborate. That's a really important point. It's, it's giving me a lot of, like, I love this point. And I think that because I, so quickly, when I'm doing my four gardens journaling, and what am I doing for each of my gardens each day? I'll drop my meditation and breath work in health and in spirituality, nature connection space, especially when I'm doing it outside, like I often do. And to get back to that truth, like all the, the physiology you were sharing, the science around creativity with our brains and thinking about empathy of like how important it is that I have trained my breathing so that when I'm having a difficult conversation with somebody or trying to support a friend or family member, that I remember to take a deep breath, that I can say, hey, I need to take a deep breath right now. I was just, I was having a challenging conversation and this is a, a quick tool to offer the listeners now is that when you're having one of these conversations and you feel overwhelmed, you feel your nervous system being overwhelmed or your emotions being so strong that you're, you don't even have the words to respond to somebody. I don't know if you can relate to that, of being in such a hard conversation that I feel like the words are escaping me. And just to request, like, hey, can we just, I need to take some breaths right now. I, I, have, I have a little breath work I need to do just for a minute. And what I love about this too is you're giving the other person in that conflict, in that hard conversation, a chance to breathe and collect as well when things get so intense. And so that's service to them by just taking your own space to breathe and having some tools to know a breath pattern to do breath um, exercise, you're doing service to them and you're showing up better as a space holder for another human who needs you right now. So I love the way you're seeing it in all four gardens. And I think there's a lot of subtlety and richness to pull out with how breathing and of course also meditation can empower these like divergent areas of our life. So that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. And thank you for giving that suggestion to all the listeners out there and I really want this kind of behavior to be normalized it's something that we try to practice on my team at inheritance project too is to be really aware of our state when we're having challenging conversations and say hey actually let's all take a do some we start every meeting with breath actually to get us into the right mind state to contribute creatively or in, in any way that we need to to collaborate basically so we start every meeting with breath that's one of our company policies and we also um, have particular formats for having hard conversations and one of the tools that we use is coming back to our breath and taking um, some time for that and I think so often we feel a lot of pressure like oh, I can't ask for that. I'm in this conversation and we need to resolve it immediately. And the other person must be waiting impatiently for what I need to say. But actually, I really believe that so often if we just take a moment and slow down instead of just feeling pressure to react immediately, what comes out of that is a lot wiser and a lot more productive. And I really want a world where everyone 
has the tools to regulate themselves in this way so that we can all collaborate better. And I'll share an example from my travels in India. I also spent some time at Sadhguru's ashram in near Coimbatore in the south of India. I'm a big Sadhguru fan as well. And I was there for this huge festival, Mahashivratri, and it was thousands and thousands of people came from all over India to celebrate at this, um, at the yoga center. And they, the whole center is run 100% by volunteers and they fed every single person there a hot meal and it was free to attend. And I was staying there in the whole run up to this festival and watching them like cook giant pots of (laughs) stew and organize all the logistics for how to manage and root thousands of people and organize them and make sure everyone's comfortable and well-fed. And it was the most well-organized, beautiful, and harmonious event I've ever been to in my life. And I've been to events with like a hundred people at them at New York that were completely disorganized, (laughs) horrible shit show events. Um, Sorry for my language. And being having that experience and every single person who was volunteering there was so kind, so empathetic, and so efficient. And I think there's a huge misconception that if we meditate or focus on um, breath work and meditation, it's about going to live on a cave and removing ourselves from society. And it's some kind of selfish thing to do that's about pursuing our own enlightenment and not contributing to society. But I really experientially learned from being there that if every single person in our communities were doing these kind of practices and intentionally cultivating that self-awareness and working with breath and meditating, we could have the most beautiful, efficient (laughs) societies ever. We could achieve so much together. And I have a pretty big picture perspective in that I do believe that we are at a critical moment in human history. We're being faced with a lot of really intense collective challenges in terms of the destruction of our natural ecosystems, the instability of our economic and financial systems, obviously pandemics and other health crises. There's a lot of challenges that as a human society we're facing. And to me, If every single person had the tools of breath and meditation, we could come up with creative solutions and collaborate with each other so much better to create a world that's much more beautiful, that has a lot more abundance for so many people. And that's one of the main reasons why I feel, maybe the main reason why I feel so passionate about sharing this work is because I hold this vision of a world where we have overcome a lot of these challenges. I'm an optimist (laughs) and I believe it is possible and I believe that we can evolve together and co-create a much more, um, yeah, just a much more harmonious society that benefits everyone who participates in it. But to get there requires a lot of creativity, a lot of collaboration and breath and meditation are amazing tools to support us moving in that direction. I appreciate your optimism. Thank you for that. I think more optimism with the, with the focus of the optimism growing out of a realization. It was what I'm hearing too, that 
the external challenges we're facing in the world can be changed, transformed through internal regulation, spiritual transformation. Uh, the clarity that meditation and breathwork brings is for people of all, you degree right of all religions and backgrounds and traditions, like that this is a universal thing we all do is we all breathe, we can all meditate, and there's versions of this other places. So it feels like the the spread of this work into the more more and more mainstream meditation is everywhere, it feels like. Um, and sometimes, and I like the way you turn it because you talk about how meditation can create greater achievement, greater accomplishments of humanity. Um, but it's it's like, it's you're also, I notice in your practice, taking it out of that commercialization. It's not just about let's have, let's improve the bottom line, let's improve business as usual economy. But I also believe that, and I think you'd agree too, that as we, the, the, the realization that deep meditation practice will get us to and, and breath work will be to change patterns of consumption, to change patterns of extraction, to the ripple effects will be felt. Like I do really believe there needs to be an internal transformation if we're going to see an external transformation in the way humans are acting and interacting with in this world. So I think I'm just, I'm very aligned with that. I feel it in my own life that the adoption of these practices is supporting transformation in my habits, transformation in my relationships, transformation in, uh, in the way I, um, the decisions I make of how I want to structure my life. So that's been one of the big blessings of uh, working with you and my own spiritual journey. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I used to have a project called the Dual Revolution, which was about that in order for real social change to happen, we needed an inner and an outer revolution and that they need to be integrated. So it's not just only working on my healing and my inner meditation practices, but also how does that manifest in the way I actually show up in my communities and what I do with my life. And also, I think the downfall of a lot of movements of for social change from the 21st century is that it's all outer external focused. How do we change this policy? How do we change this structure? But if we don't change the mindset that created those structures in the first place, we're just going to keep reproducing the same patterns in different ways. And we see this, for example, institutional racism in the history of this country. First there was slavery, and then that was outlawed, and then there was Jim Crow, then that was outlawed. Now we have the prison industrial complex. So there's, you know, if unless we change the mindset and the state of consciousness that creates these issues, they're just going to keep reproducing themselves in different outer forms, but with the same internal structure. And so I really believe that change has to happen on both levels. Have to change the mindset, but then don't stop there. Also put that into practice and change the policies and change the structure. And the most powerful movements for social change in my studies of global history have come from movements that have a spiritual understanding as well as a policy agenda. Like for example, the um, Indian liberation movement um, led by Gandhi, for example, anti-apartheid movement led by Nelson Mandela, the civil rights movement in the U.S., all of these big, powerful movements for social change also had a spiritual understanding that you can't create a new system using the tools and mentality of the system you're trying to fight, which is something that I 
I feel like I, I see a lot happening. You've mentioned before that this isn't all going to, this change can't happen in a cave. It's great to go spend some time in a cave mm-hmm. <laughs> and do some great breath work in there and have your prayers and, and journaling. And at the same time, then there's the, the external work that we do and the coming together of, of social change and of knowing each other and of listening. Um, and I'm excited to have you back on soon for people listening. We're, I want to have a second conversation with you very soon. Maybe up by the time people are hearing this, uh, focused on your other work in the world of inheritance project. So I want to come back to that in the next, in the next conversation in the next episode. But for now, I'd love to maybe wrap up here and get just hear from you too. Um, for people who want to get involved with breath connection or with you, where to find you, um, yeah, what else you want to leave our listeners who are interested in breath and we'll do inheritance projects soon. Sure. You can find me on Instagram at breath underscore connection. And I love working with people one-on-one. Actually, I'm not sure when this episode is going to come out, but it's currently October, 2021. I have a special promotion going on for this 21 day customized breath practice program Um, There's two more spots open for um, people to receive it at a super discounted rate just for this month. So you can send me a message on Instagram to um, if you want to learn more about that. And also you can read my website, www.breathconnection.co, which has all the details about the programs that I share and a lot about my philosophy of teaching and a bit more about my background if you're interested in reading more. There are also a lot of amazing resources out there in terms of the science of breath, um, in terms of the Himalayan Kriya Yoga tradition. And so if you send me a message, I'm more than happy to share book recommendations, articles, other podcast episodes on particular topics around this that you may be interested in. I love having those kinds of dialogues and conversations with people. So I want this to be an open invitation for people to reach out to me about this topic. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. And it was just, I had a great time talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me, Jake, and for being so open about sharing your experience. And inspiring so many people with your commitment to this practice and in terms of the way that you show up in the world too. It's really an honor to work with you and to call you one of my best friends. Likewise, I feel the same way and I feel really grateful again. And um, yeah, it's just a blessing to have this conversation. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. That was my conversation with Mallory Kambamal. Check out the links below to, to find the work she shared and to connect with her. We'll also also share links below to the upcoming episodes I'm recording with her. We're intending to do one on Inheritance Project very soon and also on uh, like a guided breath practice for our listeners. And you can find some of those in the links that Mallory mentioned just now. And just once again, it's one of the most important episodes to me was to get these meditation and breath work practices out there. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you want to share on our Facebook page how these practices have affected you, what your relationship was with breathwork, or any any, uh, input, feedback, or questions, they're all welcome. You can email me at fourgardenspodcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or any other input to share. There's a private way to do it as well. And I just want to thank everybody for listening and just wish everybody to go out there and keep on growing. Have a good day.